J. M. W. Turner's Sketchbooks, A Sampling, from The Life of J. M. W. Turner, R.A., founded on letters and papers furnished by his friends and fellow academicians, by Walter Thornbury, 1862. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. When Mr. Ruskin was arranging the Turner drawings, he kindly allowed me to examine the principal sketchbooks that the great artist had left behind. They were, of all ages, from the books of his earliest boyhood to the books of his latest tours, and here are a few of my notes upon them. In a little red book with a clasp marked June 1813, I found various scraps of notes about chemistry and several studies for pictures in rivalry of Claude, as usual very slight. Some of the leaves are smeared by rubbing. The lines are blunt, soft pencil lines. The trees often loop, and some of the boughs are mere lank fingers and dark zigzags. Yet even in these there is an implication of Turner's great qualities of multitude and distance occasionally too i came upon useful receipts such as an experienced traveller would be likely to treasure there is a receipt for making waterproof with linseed oil and gum elastic and a prescription for the maltese plague as if turner's mind were tending eastward the symptoms he writes are sickness debility shivering headache heat and thirst, then delirium, dark spots and ulcers. The remedies are emetics and purges, lemonade, and spongings with vinegar every two hours. The coarsest lines in the book seem, however, to be modified here and there to realize variety of expression. Then come indistinct verses, something about Anna's kiss, a look back, a toilsome dream, and human joy ecstasy and hope etc for turner's verses did not come into shape at all spontaneously and even at the anvil he was not quick at shaping them close by there is a note of an order of sir w pilkington's for some harbors of the coast and some liber studiorums next i find some dancing nymphs and a claude like bridge then more chemistry, notes of copal and other varnishes, then memoranda of annatto, turmeric, dragon's blood, and blues. Lastly, some very noteworthy nine pages about yellows, including orange oxide, Naples yellow, and papermaker's yellow. Finally, the following scrap, I think, from Beckman. Potash, added to a solution of iron, a brown precipitate falls, carbonate of potash separates, and yellow oxide, which soon becomes a beautiful yellow oxide. The next notebook I examined was a long one, covered with parchment, and full of beautiful studies of skies stored up for use. There were skies of an orange-purple, skies webbed with gray showers, skies veined with cross-currents of interwoven azure, skies of gorgeous red and yellow, skies of transparent gray, 
blue fogs with looming red suns red horizons moons going down and blood-red treble meteors and lastly a glimpse of london with st clement's church indicated by a pencil note a third book bound in the cover of a bible was full of pencil sketches from coutancey in one leaf a plot is inscribed sunshine and another yellowish gray the distance in one case is marked with dotted lines and there are notes of leaves docks and rush flowers with their curves and central ribs marked the verses in this volume turn chiefly on content and are either vague or pathetic as thus on scotch independence a personal estate far beyond purchase or the grasp of state thou givest the humble roof content devoid of fear and blissful joy to its perhaps lone inmate another book contained colored studies for the north coasts and the harbors of england and compositions in the manner of claude the run of the waves and their sweeping leaps are beautifully given in these sketches but sometimes the shore is left weak and the sky is finished as being i suppose more difficult for the artist to remember sometimes hard dark ridges of color are left to mark the crest of the waves the seas are of all colors from dull gray green to soft blue and almost indigo darkness in one instance a sail in the foreground has the yellow jewel depth of the finest kergorum pebble i find dover and portsmouth among the places sketched only the artist seems lazy or self-confident for there are merely red blots or crisscrosses of gray in one instance there is more foam than wave visible and i remember a beautiful example of the yellow ghost of a fishing boat with a little red man in it there are other sketches in which the sea rages in the foreground rolling and leaping while in the blue distance you see the faint outlines of white chalk cliffs in the next book we break away from english seas and go sketching in imitation and in rivalry of claude turner's great opponent with noblemen and art collectors in this book i found recumbent nymphs receding arcades vanishing in perspective long flights of temple steps forests of masts forming classical st catherine's docks fete champette after watteau and stothard arches of constantine and acropolises crowning imaginary hills a book dated 1809 contains notes on the passage of the simplon the wonderful gorge of gondo and isola bella and hints of the lago maggiore they are on tinted paper which is often used on both sides with an economy worthy of pope white chalk that still lingers in dust between the leaves marks avalanches and snow effects and gondo especially studied is outlined with all a map maker's care and fidelity there are italian campaniles without end for future use and gaps between rocks opening out from sunshine into dim whiteness there are small drawings in mere portions of a page of the simplon bridges 
such as Turner may afterwards have used for Scott's Life of Napoleon. There are scraps of bad French, and in one place two English are mentioned. In a green book with red back, I found memoranda of seaside houses at Brighton, of embattled towers and Tudor windows, and some miscellaneous seaside effects, very subtle and beautiful in their care and truth. There is a camp on a cliff, and boys and boats innumerable. Among the more subtle thoughts I found the following noted, foam, gray in shadow, the reflection of a bright-colored boat on a wet, shiny wall, the reflection of a fisherman's boy form on a dun sail, and the interchange of reflections between white and umbery sails. Another sketchbook is valuable for its containing studies of the nude figure made in the Academy Life School, apparently in his middle life, and probably for special objects. Some of these studies are sufficient in themselves to remove the slander that Turner, when he chose, and before his mind began to weaken, could not draw. But still, in many of them, there is certainly an appearance of labor, though they are all rather painted than drawn. In one case, the mouth is left unfinished, and in several others, the faces are spoiled. Among these studies, I found a female figure drawing a sword, the whole drawn with yellow and black chalk, and a figure seated on a rock, cleverly and sharply delineated, the high light especially powerfully touched. Then there are several studies of a female figure as Andromeda, with her head hanging down and her arms up. There is a side view, a front view, and a back view. Some of the leaves are purposely reddened. In a book containing a sketch of Carnarvon Castle, I found a pen outline and many boat effects, smoke rising against sails, and sails cutting against white, yellow, chalk suns. Of all Turner's sketchbooks that I saw, I think none interested me more than one full of sketches made at Rome, and chiefly in the Vatican galleries. They show the intense delight the artist must have felt in the classic city, where he found on every hand ample materials for the war he was ever carrying on with Claude. What he had so long only dreamt of, now he saw. He now could realize the visions of his school days, of those hours spent in academic and architectural study. His comprehensive mind filled itself with booty. His great memory stored itself with facts. His notebooks are gorged with classical detail, with drawings of statues, bas-reliefs, and inscriptions to be used hereafter in the foregrounds of classical pictures. That greedy accumulativeness that made Turner amass money made him also, in his intellectual tendency, accumulate facts. He could not refrain from taking ten or twelve views of London Bridge. It was a pain to him to have to break his charitable store by giving away a shilling uselessly. Such are the inconsistencies of man. Under notes of my locanda, the Speranzella Strata, Speranzella, and directions of the Corona Gifero, or somewhere where an English waiter is to be found, most important to the non-Italian, 
I find addresses of friends, as Captain Graham, via Gregoriana, and lastly, after the proper Italian sentences to address to the custodes of picture galleries, what can I see in this palace, and a caricature of himself, I come to studies of the Campagna, of the aqueducts, and the Alban hills. But besides this, I found a legion of classic ornaments from the Vatican, drawn hastily in pencil, generally only a part finished from want of time, but the part finished always sufficient for the painter's use, and generally numbered, so as to be able to find it again. Among the objects selected I found Priapi, satyrs, vases, griffins, bacchant, sippi, tombs, masks, leafage, apollino, psyche, female heads, and many inscriptions copied carefully in printed letters. I also found a few notes on pictures and statues, with sometimes remarks on colors. In one instance, Turner's mind seemed to have turned to architectural reflections. He says, sensibly, of St. Peter's, the part by Bernini is good in the arrangement of the columns, but being very large, they convey the idea of greatness away from the facade of the building, while in the upper corner, the most favorable view, the columns are cut by it, and the cupola has no base, so that the dome, when approaching the steps, becomes secondary to the horizontal parts, etc. The next notebook I met with contained notes of a sea journey between Marseille and Genoa. There was the Isle Margart, and Tibbies and Nice, boats with lanteen sails, and sketches of Genoa. After this I came upon one with drawings of London Bridge, interesting Indian ink skies, and notes of scenes on the banks of the Thames, studies of sails, and memoranda of a fete champette, and of ladies' dress, caps, sleeves, black bow, black bodice, gray body, and yellow band. This book is full of details of form and color, water carts, haymakers, boys wading round boats, fishermen making love, traveling gypsies in red cloaks, green lanes, and poplars sunlit that shed radiance like lighted tapers. Here and there are bursts of wood nymphs and other classical furniture, but the most important and laborious efforts in the book are views of London Bridge, with St. Paul's and the monument showing at various experimental distances. Now he tries the dome over the widest arch. Now he crowds the balustrades with people, and introduces a hulk, barges, and the boats at the tower stairs. Now he brings in bales for composition, and detains passing sails to break the lines of the arches, or to vary their outline. Now he comes nearer, and tries a wharf, a tower, some additional roofs, or a dark steeple striping the light. Still, he seems unsatisfied. Either his acquisitiveness could never have enough views of a bridge that publishers and engravers often want plates of, or else he cannot get the bridge to look quite as beautiful as he could wish it to look. He changes the boats. He lifts St. Paul's to try it in all sorts of combinations. 
he moves the wharfs the shot tower yet nothing seems to satisfy him so greedy is he of all its possible variations the next book contains jottings of expenses and sketches of classical subjects glaucus and scylla dido and aeneas ulysses and nereus and a sketch of the polyphemus with the giant hurling the stone sometimes in these books we come upon a flood of sea sketches and shore studies fish being packed or sold steamers notes of the moon's colors slight sketches in color the tone sometimes touched in with colored chalk lightning dismantled vessels vermilion suns and indigo seas waves spitting round piles or combing upon the shore lifeboats in fact all that could indicate a passionate observer and lover of the sea then perhaps come roman details and a list of lord egremont's pictures then warm cold gray skies and naples yellow suns in a book containing notes of gothic ornaments from york minster the internal anatomy of a boat and some pencil skies marked w turner sixty four harley street i found some verses on love which show that the heartache of earlier youth had not yet quite gone the verses are man like the easy bark which sailing on the treacherous sea seeking the bubble pleasure and again cares like waves in fell succession frown destruction o'er his day which i take to be very incoherent utterances of a great heart sorrow end of j m w turner's sketchbooks a sampling from the life of j m w turner r a founded on letters and papers furnished by his friends and fellow academicians by walter thornbury eighteen sixty two read for librivox by sue anderson